Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Struggling to find anything that would be better. One of the greatest moments is the right way to put it. But when you've got the greatest player in NFL history, in the middle of it, it just accentuates it even more. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin were presented by Progressive Insurance. Key will be back tomorrow. Bart Scott, 11-year NFL vet. Ravens, Jets is here. As is the Super Bowl champion, Ronald Jones, who joins us this morning on the Goodyear Hotline, who forever will be able to say, I took a dozen totes from Tom Brady in the Super Bowl in my home stadium, and I'm a Super Bowl champion. Ronald, good morning. I guess the first thing I just want to ask you, it's been a couple days. We had a chance to decompress a little bit. What's life been like since the clock hit zeros in your home stadium to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, life has been uh, different already, you know, <laughs> just enjoying the moment, soaking it in. So, uh, yeah, I haven't really decompressed yet. I'm still, yeah, my heart's still beating fast. <laughs> well, Joe, you've had a, a hell of a year, man. How different did this offense feel under Byron Leftwich once you guys started to find that balance between your running and passing game attack? Yeah, real different. You know, we were able to get into our grind, uh, you know, just uh, two ahead of the clock, things like that control the ball so I felt like yeah we just hit the peak at the right moment you know when you think about successful teams a lot of times it's about uh, about sacrifice and you had to sacrifice some carries when they brought in Leonard Fournette who was a former top 10 pick um how did you guys kind of come to that and what was your first you know thoughts when they brought him in about you know bringing him in knowing that that would sacrifice you have to sacrifice some of your carries yeah, definitely, you know, like you said, just uh, competing for carries and things like that, just showing who, you know, I was at practicing in games and, uh, you know, for the greater good of the team. So I think, you know, we're the best punch in the league, and I look forward to, you know, doing it again. I'm sorry, I got one follow-up. Now, when you guys looked at the first matchup and where, where they kind of got out on you guys and you guys fought to get back, like, did you guys just look at it and say, listen, we let this defense off the hook uh, we're we going to come at him and hit him in the mouth because we don't think they can handle our physicality downhill. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, just watching film, and, you know, I think we, we ran the ball uh, like 12 times that game. So that was one of the emphasis, you know, going into this game is establishing the run, things like that. And I think we did a great job, you know, offensive line, you know, played their tails off all season and especially uh, other night. <laughs> <laughs> Rojo, it seems like uh, Tom Brady got into a little bit of a spat, some beef with Honey Badger, uh, even though he had to apologize in the tweet afterwards. But it, have you ever seen that side of Tom? Like, and, and do you guys do you guys talk about stuff like that? Is that the DNA of how your team reacts and thinks? Yeah, I have not seen that slide. So you know, that was the first time. But you know, I, I didn't see any beef. But uh, I heard about the text or whatever. So. I think it's just them two being competitors that they are. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could, yeah. Go ahead, Bart. You guys became the first team to host the Super Bowl, but was that an advantage for you guys, the fact that you kind of knew what kind of cleats and what the surface was going to be like? Uh, I would say, you know, it was an advantage, you know, uh, just knowing that we was going to be there, you know, the whole time. But uh, nothing with that with the cleats. You know, like you said, we had played them week 12. So, you know, just uh, – just, you know, a rematch. Two-parter here, Ronald. Take us inside. You know, Bart played in some huge football games. Jay's a national champion in college basketball. But I'm just like most people listening. Tell me what it's like. Two-parter here first. Tell me what it's like to be in the huddle with Tom Brady. Yeah, you know, it's uh, 
you know, it's a real intense moment, you know, especially in that game. Uh, just knowing everything, every play on the line, you know, fighting for every inch. Uh, it's just, you know, some real moments that, you know, I, I'll take with me forever. So, How did he change the team? I say just bringing in leadership, you know, passion, a different dynamic, you know, just elevating guys, you know, like myself, uh, holding guys accountable, keeping us, you know, after meetings and things like that. I say all those preparations, you know, you always, you never work too hard, you know, when you're accomplishing these goals. So definitely. All right, Rojo, let's get to the good stuff. How was the party afterwards and how long is the party continuing to go over there? Like how many, how many days of the month do you guys take it? The full black history month? Is that how much the party time is there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I think uh, you know, we'll start getting back to work real soon again, but the party was real good. You know, the Migos came out, so love. So that was real fun. You know, when, when you think about the expectation of this team going forward, you heard the selflessness of a guy like Mike Evans saying, hey, take some money from me if we need to keep some guys, you know, here. I think Levante Davis is a free agent. We know Barrett's a free agent. You know, how important is it for you to keep the core of this team together? And can you guys run it back? I think it's very important. Uh, to answer your question, yes, I do believe we're running back, you know. Uh, with the guys we have and, you know, the guys, like you said, are unselfish and willing to do this for the greater good, I think, you know, it's just a recipe for success. Last thing for you, my man. Tell us why you're with us this morning. I appreciate you carving out a couple minutes of your day to spend some time with us. Yeah, I'm here with a partnership with Michael Ultra. And uh, I don't know if y'all saw the commercial, but I'll definitely say, you know, you're winning when you're happy. And you're happy when you win. You know, positive thoughts leads to joy and joy wins. So. Hey, keep enjoying it. You guys have earned it. And as Tom said... Hey, you guys are just getting started. That could be terrible news for the rest of the NFC. Congratulations, forever a Super Bowl champion, Ronald Jones. Thank you, Rojo. Congrats, Rojo. Thank you, man. Thank you very much. And coming up here in just four minutes. I Migos at the party. Yeah. Oh, Zubin, I can see you with the Migos right now, Zubin. Put that wave cap we had on you that first week okay. of the show. You now, relaxing. Here's the thing about Migos. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure if Migos is a group or one person. He's, he could Quavo. be one or the other. Is is Migos a guy or is Migos a group? It's a group. It's a group. It's a group. I'm just being honest. No, I, I I love the honesty. It's a group. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I can't, I can't believe you guys are actually surprised I asked that. I mean, I, 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 love, I, that I, no, I thought you I had him on your hit list. I thought you had him in your in your workout in your workout uh, on my iPod, iPod playlist. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. In three minutes, actually, now, uh, since I embarrassed myself for one minute, in three minutes, we're going to go to the other side of the Brady equation, and we're going to go to New England and what they are thinking. I mean, I, I said this yesterday. We were, we were all chatting. What was Bill Belichick thinking the second Tom Brady <laughs> hit Gronk for the second touchdown? You know, the first one is like, all right, yeah. he's, he's going to rely on Gronk. It's yeah. the Super Bowl. He can't put it in Cameron Brate's hands. I get it. It's nervous. He's going to go to old reliable. Yeah. But he went to him the second time, yeah. Bart, and it was just like, I just wish I was a fly on the wall yeah. in, in, in that the, room. In the words of F- Florida Evans, damn, damn, <laughs> damn. Um, <laughs> I mean, just not Gronk. I mean, it's AB, too. Antonio <laughs> Brown, like, you know, two former Patriots just sitting there saying, wow, this, see, is the, I, this is the way this story is going to conclude for Tom Brady. Yeah. 
But to, but to the point about Tom Brady and guys coming and taking less, Antonio Brown didn't take market value. Grunk didn't take market value, right? You talk about all the people that he attract. They come there to play with him. We see that happen with LeBron as well, right? You know, we, we know that we know that, uh, what is it, Montez Harrell? We know he could have got more money. But when you are around greatness, you will sacrifice money to be around greatness. Now, I'll tell you what. Uh, if Allen was on point as we go to Christian Fourier here in just a moment – uh, I would tell you that if this production had Migos in it, it would be unbelievable. But that's a tough ask here because we've got three seconds to go. <laughs> We're ready to go to New England, Migos or not. Here we go. So as you hey. might expect, the Boston oh, sports man. fan is taking this in stride. They just really have a good, honest perspective on life, as evidenced by that last caller, apoplectic, uh, at what happened with Tom Brady. All right, so you know the deal. I mean, in Tampa, it's a love fest on the radio all morning long yeah. on our affiliate and everywhere else. In Boston, it's got to be the complete yeah. opposite. Christian Fourier, former Patriots tight end, a host on our affiliate there, WEEI, along Ordway, Merloni, and Fourier joining us this morning. I know you guys are going to be talking about it nonstop, but just, just give, me the, give me the beat of what's going on, Christian, this morning in Boston and what has been going on since about 9.35 Sunday night. Well, I think, uh, I think it's like a conflict of emotions. Is I don't think people really understand how to feel. On one hand, they're jealous. On the other hand, they're happy because they claim Brady as their own. You know, he was like born and raised here. Then he goes off to college and, you know, finds a girlfriend and only comes home on Christmas and 4th of July. So there's some <laughs> emotional confliction that I think is going on with people. But for the most part, I would say that people are happy for him, yet blaming Bill. Like, so now Bill is the bad guy. Like, even though, I mean, there's some legitimate reasons for, you know, the, the separation, if you will. But it's Brady, we're happy for him. Bill, why'd you do this to us? Well, yeah, Keyshawn J., Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin here pre- presented by Progressive Insurance. Two-time Super Bowl champion, former Patriots tight end. Christian Furrier joining us right now. See, if I got to ask you, you played with Brady and for Belichick. What could the Patriots have done to make Brady want to return to New England? You know, that, that's a question we spent over a year discussing. So what could they have done? Um, maybe have a time machine. Maybe go back in time and, you know, set, set this ending up better. But I just don't think it's possible. I think the exception to the rule are guys, like Teddy Bruschi, you know, who, who works with you guys, who we have on our show, a guy that was drafted, developed, and was never leading anywhere, no matter what you said to him. He was a lifer. But if you look at all the other great quarterbacks, they leave. Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, Joe Montana. Like, it's just inevitable. Like, the, the exception to the rule are quarterbacks that are drafted, developed, and actually retire with the team that drafted them because nobody wants to be done. So they, what, they, what could they have done? They could have had better talent. They could have had more money available. They could have stockpiled, you know, veteran players. I mean, there's a bunch of things they could have done. But ultimately, I think it just caught up to them. And, I, I mean, it's 20 years. I mean, it's going to catch up to anyone in any situation at any company if you have that much success with one person for that long of a period of time. 
See, I think I think you hit the, the, the nail right on the head, right? I think it was really about Tom Brady looking around and saying, hey, I don't have the talent that I need at my advanced age to be able to be successful when he lost to Tennessee and he looked for his exit strategy. And we talk about you know Peyton Manning leaving. We talk about Brett Favre leaving. But they had a backup there. How much of this kind of goes back to the whole Jimmy G and, and not want to trade him, and Jimmy G supposed to be the successor to Tom Brady, but Tom Brady just continued to play at a high level because I think this is important because we're witnessing this in Green Bay at the same time. Yeah, I would say, like, I, we, we talk about that all the time. Like, Green Bay, it's like a good problem to have. So what are they going to do with Aaron Rodgers? He's playing at such a high level. They're just going to, okay, let's have, see if this young guy can do it. I think time ends up catching up with you. But the Jimmy G thing – I think it was a timing issue also. I mean, they had, they had proactively tried to prepare for Brady's departure. He just had a different idea of when he was going to leave, and he just kept playing at such a high level to the point where it didn't make any sense for them to get rid of him. Like, why would you replace him and, and, then, and give the job to somebody who was unproven that had played in, what, six quarters when Tom was suspended? He got hurt, and then Jacoby Brissett came in and played. So, to me – it just unfortunately didn't work out. You know, they tried. They tried to do it, but it just – the timing was screwed up again. What, what should the number one priority for Bill Belichick be this offseason? What's the first thing they need to do to get done? Well, okay, so, again, they need a quarterback. I mean, that's let's that's, be honest. They need a quarterback. I think the biggest question is how they go about getting that quarterback. Do they get that quarterback in the draft? Do they get that? Do they get like a, a reclamation project? Do they get one of these older guys on a bad contract or that are just disgruntled and want to leave? Or do they get some, you know, you know, second string, you know, backup quarterback that they had identified from years ago and now they want to bring them in? The answer is like, I mean, it, I think all of it is on the table. What I would do, because I don't want to sit there and wait three or four years for a guy to, to establish himself. You know, I want a guy like Jameis Winston. That's my pick. There's a guy I think that can come in. I think that under the tutelage of Brady, I'm sorry, not Brady, of Bill, could thrive in the system. So Brady can go to a system like Bruce Arians where it's like, it's like they're, a little, they're, they, they're loose with everything, and he could survive. He can thrive you know, because he's just committed and he's disciplined that way. Jameis Winston, not so much. Jameis Winston is a guy that needs like a taskmaster. He needs somebody hovering over him. He needs somebody constantly telling him what to do so he doesn't throw 30 interceptions. You bring a guy like that into the Patriots system, he will be a much better player. I mean, this, I mean he won't make those stupid mistakes. Um, and I think he's talented enough and has enough left in his tank where they can actually win with him right now. Christian, you know, Gronk has made comments like, hey, I'm having fun. And I guess with that being said, if that wasn't the case in New England, if they don't turn it around next year, say for some hypothetical reason they don't get the quarterback they want or they're just you know, marginal again, when do we start talking about Bill Belichick potentially oh, no. on the hot seat? Oh, no. I know. I'm at, I got to ask it. Look I got to ask. You. I just got to ask it. I'm not saying it's – I'm just saying. Just it's saying. So you know how early. media gets. It's so early. Like, even today, even today, like on, on ESPN, I was like watching you guys and transferred went over to Sports Center. And I was sitting there going, they're, they're, instead of, like, comparing Brady to, like, uh, you know, Michael Jordan or, you know, Gretzky or Muhammad Ali, like, they're throwing LeBron James's name out there. Like, it's like, oh, like, who's the, who's the GOAT now? Like, LeBron James, LeBron James is not even, the, is even in, in, the, in the conversation when it comes to comparing Brady to anybody. Like, I wouldn't even compare 
Brady to uh, uh, Michael Jordan anymore. I would think he's surpassed him. If I'm going to start comparing Brady to anyone, it's going to be the CEOs of these Fortune 500 companies. It's going to be Bob Iger. It's going to be Steve Jobs, guys that transcended their business, that made humongous differences. You know, Elon Musk, I'm going to throw his name out there. Like, not a sports athlete anymore. What he has proven to me, based on his ability to take that team that was underachieving, morale was low, they couldn't get out of their own way. They probably sat there and said, we suck. We're really talented, but we suck. We can't win. He rolls in there with no practice, no, no identification, no, not knowing the team at all or the system, and he takes them to a Super Bowl. Going through three of the toughest uh, you know, postseason games in the history of the NFL. So I'm done with the whole let's compare him to Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan's probably insulted but, but, but if people compare him to him. He's probably like, he's done more than I've done. Like Michael Jordan leaves, he goes to play for another team. He doesn't win anything. So Brady is no longer comparable to athletes. Look to the Fortune 500 business world and then draw your conclusion. Christian, uh, Michael Jordan was playing with some players on the Washington Wizards that were not as talented oh, there's the basketball as guy. a Tampa. Oh, well, well, yeah, because I know basketball. I'm just saying the personnel <laughs> that he was playing with, I mean, being able to bring guys like Antonio Brown, you're getting Leonard Fournette, uh, having Mike Evans there. there. There were a lot of pieces in Tampa. I'm not making excuses saying that, hey, this team was not bad the year before. I, I am giving that to Tom Brady, but it's I, I do think Michael Jordan and Tom Brady are in the same conversation. I don't think Tom Brady's just surpassed them like that. Michael Jordan is six and zero in the NBA Finals. Something to be said. Yeah, about that. that's listen. It's it's to me, it's a way of making a point of how unbelievably difficult winning one Super Bowl is, winning two Super Bowls, going to an organization, and because all you're hearing is everything from the players of how he took over that franchise, how he coached them up. I don't see it being a difference if a guy walks into a to, to a uh, to a uh, underachieving business, okay, where revenue is down and nobody can make any sales, and then stockholders are angry. He rolls in with a suit and a tie and a briefcase, turns that organization around. I don't see what the difference is for Brady doing the same thing for a, uh, a uh, you know a million billion dollar organization, the NFL, and turning that team around, taking over the city taking over the structure, completely, you know, implementing his ideas and everybody believing him. To me, that, that completely separates him from all these other players, all of them, like oh, just by doing oh. that. And he's still got four more years probably left to play. Okay. With all that being said, where do you see the Patriots finishing next year? Um, I would put them at 10 and six. I would put them at 10 and six. Um, I think that obviously they're gonna. They have a lot of money to spend. They, uh, they. I think they also have the willingness to spend it and get better. This was kind of like a gap year for them. So I think in the end no, they no, finished yeah, ten and sure. six. You know, but if, if but if they get, I guess like a a Carson Wentz, which I doubt they can get. If they get, uh, you know, uh, you know, a high end quarterback, which I just don't think will be available, it'll probably be twelve and four. But I think. 10-6 and six is probably a fair assessment of where they're going to end up next year. Now, you talk about Bill being the villain, and sometimes that's a narrative when, you know, you watch somebody that leaves your organization go have success somewhere else. But a couple of years ago, I can remember when Josh McDaniels um, turned down the Indianapolis job and Bill said that he was going to give him his world. At some point, you know, it's going to be time <laughs> for Josh McDaniel 
to be able to get his opportunity to be a head coach again, and I believe that it's going to be in New England. That's why he came back. Now, is Bill preparing maybe to give him his world, but his world is on fire? Or do you see Bill trying to say that he can make it a successful team again before he handed over to Josh McDaniels? Yeah, it's like that scene from Aladdin where he says, do you trust me? And then they jump up on the magic carpet ride and they sing a whole new world. Like, that's kind of what it felt like. But I'm not really sure it's happening. You know, and, 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 um, and I would say the other thing that I think is happening is that, you know, their credibility is pretty high to me. And, and, and what they've accomplished is great. But Byron Leftwich just accomplished the same thing in one year with the same quarterback at an advanced age. So who's a better offensive coordinator? Like Bruce Arians just did the same thing with a completely different personality. So I do think it's fair to kind of look at, you know, like each coordinator and kind of judge them. Like, are they really great coordinators? Like that can really run an organization or is the quarterback, like I said earlier, taking over 90% of just the, you know, the mentality of the team and erasing every single bad play that you call. I just think it's interesting to kind of, go back and look at the way we looked at some of these coordinators I and mean, even defensive coordinators on the, on, on Bill's staff. They're just, it's, it's just a different way of, uh, you know, they, 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 they work differently when they leave the system. And here comes Brady going to a new system with Byron Leftwich and he wins a Super Bowl with Byron Leftwich. So why isn't Byron Leftwich on the same level as Josh McDaniel? Like they should be equal. So he should be getting a job now. He should be getting all that attention. He should be able to be the one who can say, I can turn your organization around. So everything I think is, is, is up for being reevaluated. It's a great point. Bottom line, I think we can all agree, even though we're coming from all divergent points of view, this is going to be the most interesting Patriots off season with everything that's on the line here. In about 20 years, uh, kind of an unfamiliar position for Belichick, but obviously, as Christian has said, and many agree, if there's anybody in the history of sports that deserves the benefit of the doubt, I think it's Bill Belichick. But it's setting up to be an offseason in New England like we haven't seen in two-plus decades, 21 years. Christian, thank you very much. Really appreciate you joining us this morning. Thanks, Christian. Sorry, boys. Have a good afternoon and good morning. Same to you. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin brought to you by Indeed. Find quality candidates fast with Indeed Instant Match. Indeed searches through millions of resumes in their database to deliver candidates who fit your job description instantly. Claim a $75 credit on your first job post at Indeed.com slash credit terms and conditions apply. Everybody says on the way, everybody says it's going to be whiplash with the quarterback carousel. Every time you turn around, someone's going to be dealt. Our next guest says, hang on. It might already be over. Or close to being over. What's that all about? Hey, it's Greeny, and the Super Bowl is behind us, but there's still plenty to get to in the NFL, and we've got exactly the right people to do it Tuesday. Kurt Warner, Mike Holmgren, among my guests. Don't miss it. It's Greeny, starting 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. 
Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Good morning. I'm Zubin Mahenti here with your SportsCenter update. NBA news. Lakers over the Thunder, 119-112 in overtime. Los Angeles' fifth win in a row. LeBron's 24th triple-double with the Lakers. Tying it with Elgin Baylor for second in team history. Think about that, considering how great Elgin Baylor was as a player and the fact that LeBron hasn't really spent a lot of his career wearing purple and gold. LeBron rolling on the NBA hardwood last night. Paige Beckers, know the name. I know you know LeBron's name. We all know LeBron's name. Get used to saying Paige Beckers. She's a freshman for UConn women's basketball team, number two Huskies over number one South Carolina and Dawn Staley, 63-59. That game, much like the Laker game, also went into overtime. Beckers at 31. The game went to OT. She played all 45 minutes. She scored the final 13 points for the Huskies, including all nine of their points in OT. Just go to YouTube, put her name in, and you're going to see some great, great high school recruiting videos. She can shoot from everywhere. She's got a handle. She is some sort of player in a top two matchup in women's college basketball and just moments ago the news came down and we're sad to report that marty schottenheimer legendary nfl coach for 21 years has died about five days ago his family put him in hospice care as he continues to battle complications from alzheimer's but that battle has come to an end he coached the kansas city chiefs the cleveland browns the then san diego chargers in the Washington football team, his style of football became known as Marty Ball, which essentially was defensive dominant style of play. Marty Schottenheimer has passed away, one of the great, great figures in NFL history at the head coaching position, and his era has passed away at the age of 77. And oftentimes, Bart, what you do see, especially with guys in the NFL that have been around a long time, You do have, if they have a boy or now, what's great, if you have a daughter, right? We see so many women in coaching as well. If you have offspring and they love football and they want to get into it, uh, and Marty Schottenheimer had that with his son, and I know you had a chance to cross paths with him. Absolutely. Um, And when I came to the Jets, of course, Brian Schottenheimer was the offensive coordinator, um, built in the splitting image of his father. We talked about Marty Ball and what that meant. It wasn't just defense. It was about offensive accountability and toughness. I remember going against some of those Marty Ball, San Diego superchargers that had Antonio Gates, Vincent Jackson, uh, lights out Sean Marion. Turner to Burner and so forth and so on, Benson Jackson. And uh, it was all about accountability and that staple power play, I think, sums up who Marty Schottenheimer was. We're coming right here and there's nothing you can do about it. He is an icon. He will be sorely missed. And my heart and prayers go out to the family as they try and deal with this tough time. Yes, well said, well said. He also, like many great coaches, one of the big things with any great coach, whether they're in post-retirement or in this particular case with his sad passing, is the coaching tree. And he has tremendous branches on his coaching tree, that is for sure. Marty Schottenheimer has passed away at the age of 77. 
We're going to bring in Andrew Brandt, former Packers vice president, now joining us in the media. We're going to get to all the football conversation here in a second because there is so much to talk about. But, Andrew, when you've been in football as long as you have, working your way up to eventually become Packers vice president, the league is small. People think about it as 32 teams and a little over 1,700 players. It sounds big, but the league is small. So I would presume you do have something to say about Marty Schottenheimer or have a personal experience with him. Yeah, good to be with you, Zubin. We certainly knew of Marty Schottenheimer at the Packers. He had a lot of influence with so many coaches. And I guess the first thing that pops in my mind, when we were going through a coaching search in 2006, it really came down to a couple people, Sean Payton and Mike McCarthy. And we looked to a lot of voices to sort of weigh in, and obviously Marty was one of them. And Marty had incredible things to say about Mike McCarthy. Also good things to say about Sean Payton, but Mike McCarthy's from that tree, as so many others are. And he was sort of a sage voice in advising us through a couple coaching searches, actually. And he weighed in heavily on Mike McCarthy, who, of course, got the job and is now in Dallas. Yes. Prayer sympathy go to the family of Marty Schottenheimer this morning passing away at the age of 77. Uh, You've been around the league for so many years, and I just want to ask you about your unique relationship with the Packers, the unique ownership structure, everything that's gone on there. There's been so much Aaron Rodgers talk since the quote-unquote beautiful mystery line. But can you kind of take us inside the organization to help kind of fans understand? I think we all know he's not getting traded, even though in the heat of the moment everybody was going crazy. With your experience in the organization, can you sort of take us inside and help us understand from the moment he was drafted to where he is now? Because I know you were involved in that process as well. Yeah, Zubin, it is a unique organization. There's nothing like it in sports. I always likened it to working for a public trust. I had enormous autonomy over the financial side, almost a little bit awesome, you know, to me that I could do that. I, I also kept it like I was working for shareholders. You know, whether I did a $20 million contract or a $40 million contract, there's really no one saying you should do this or do that, which was incredible, you know, autonomy, and I felt good about that. We drafted Aaron 15 years ago, and, you know, the room was very divided. We had coaches that didn't understand how we could take a player that was not going to help us now, maybe not next year, maybe not the next year, maybe never. You know, we had the most durable quarterback in the history of the sport on our roster playing at a high level. And lo and behold, they did the exact same thing 15 years later to the day with Jordan Love. And You know, unlike Brett, who was obviously upset, and I got a call from his agent right away, and the coach got a call from Brett, and it was tough. You know, it's tough to come into work every day and sit next to your replacement. I think Aaron was a good soldier this year. Didn't say much. Said he was surprised by the pick. But I think his comments after the championship game, like, almost said to me as if saying to the Packers, like, okay, now what's the plan? (laughs) Because... I was just MVP while serving as a placeholder for the first-round quarterback. Because first-round quarterbacks play. You know, at Aaron, it took three years. It was a long three years of managing that. But it took three years, and no one has even come close to three years. I mean, Mahomes sat a year. Everyone else is playing by midseason. So for a first-round quarterback, these people that say, well, they're gonna back, he's going to back up, they're going to trade. No, he's going to play. And so the only question is when, and I think the Packers have to manage this. And maybe they don't want to answer the question, whether it's 2022 or 2023, 
But I think they have to manage it. They have to be open and honest with Aaron. And if it's a contract adjustment, fine. But I think the more important thing is Aaron's got to know what's the plan. Right, and, you, and looking at the landscape and when Aaron Rodgers and the Brett Favre um, situation happened, the, the, the landscape is different now, and now you have player empowerment. And maybe Aaron Rodgers is saying, it's a natural out of my contract in 2022. I want to take control of the narrative because it may not ever be as many coaching Oper- I mean, uh, quarterback opportunities available. When you think about Drew Brees possibly retiring, you think about the, the spot out there in San Francisco. So how much is, about, is this about maybe making the contract adjustment and giving him more guaranteed money? And if that's being said, what does that say to Jordan Love? I think that's important. You know, and, I, and people talk about extensions. There's no reason to extend the contract. It's got three years left. I think it's highly doubtful Aaron's playing for the Packers after three years. But I do think it warrants some kind of adjustment, as you said, and maybe it's no strings attached money in 2021. 2022 is a harder question because that would get to the source of when is Jordan going to play. But I think they didn't expect him to be MVP, perhaps. And maybe it is just throwing some no strings attached money into 2021. So as I said, this is the most unique situation in quarterback history. You have the MVP of the NFL as a placeholder. He's a placeholder. He is keeping the seat warm for Jordan Love. We just don't know if that's 2022 or 2023. If it's 2023, Jordan will have sat three years like Aaron, which, again, I just said, that rarely, if ever, will happen again. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. Former Packers VP Andrew Brandt is on with us. Andrew, you wrote for SI that you do not believe that there will be as much QB movement this offseason. Why? Well, I just, as a cap manager, someone who managed the financial side of a team for 11 years, I just don't get this idea that teams would take on these massive, massive dead money hits. And for listeners, quickly, dead money is simply – Money on your cap, not cash, but cap, for players no longer there. And the reason it happens is NFL economics allows you to prorate and push out option bonuses and signing bonuses to the tune of, for Carson Wentz, $34 million, which is just a massive, massive amount with a diminished cap coming up. So my feeling was they're not going to do that. Now, it looks like I'll be proven wrong on that one because the relationship seems fractured beyond what I could even believe, where they may take on that massive hit on a $180 million cap, $34 million for a player who won't be there, if they can get the right trade for Wentz. The other ones, Jay, are simple to me. Again, going back to the Packers with Aaron or the uh, Houston with Deshaun, they're not stupid. They're not going to trade the best player, the best asset they have. I mean, what are you going to trade Deshaun Watson for, Patrick Mahomes? What are you going to trade Aaron Rodgers for, Patrick Mahomes and three picks? I mean, they're not stupid. So, yes, I know there's agitation from the Watson camp, but we're in February. So, so can't they fix this? Not now, maybe in March, maybe in April, but Deshaun Watson doesn't have leverage until – the team gathers, then there's real leverage. But there's no leverage right now. Fascinating perspective. Placeholder MVP. I'm just 
rotating that in my head as we speak. That's a fascinating way to look at it. That's why Andrew's one of the smartest people in football, and it's a pleasure to have you, and great to reconnect with you this morning, Andrew. Thank you very much. Thank you, Andrew. Always good to be with you guys. Take care. That's Andrew Brandt on the Goodyear Hotline. On the way, the passing of Marty Schottenheimer, we'll talk to one of his all-time best players, the Hall of Famer, Will Shields. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Jason Terry, a 2011 NBA champion. What up, Jet? What up, Key? I want to commend you two brothers. You guys have kept it way, way real, and it's about time. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Good morning. Welcome back to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin here on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and of course, your smart speakers everywhere. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, and all of our guests appear on the Goodyear hotline, including mm-hmm. the Hall of Famer. 2015 class of Canton Will Shields, who spent his entire illustrious 14-year career with the Kansas City Chiefs. And the reason we're having Will on this morning, we always want to talk to Will, but Chiefs Nation and the NFL as a collective nation, taking a pause this morning, reflecting and sympathizing with the family of Marty Schottenheimer, the legendary NFL head coach, 21 seasons, Marty Ball, defensively dominant, passed away at the age of 77. He had been in hospice care for the last five days as he battled Alzheimer's disease, a very cruel disease. He spent the majority of his career, essentially the longest he spent any place was in Kansas City, where he was there a decade, of course, with the Browns, the then San Diego Chargers, and the Washington football team. Will, good morning. Hate to talk to you under these particular circumstances, but, you know, uh, six of those ten years were spent with you and Marty together in Kansas City, and I just uh, am hoping you can take our audience inside what it was like uh, to be coached by Marty Schottenheimer, the coach, and Marty Schottenheimer, the man. You know, Marty was a great guy. I mean, and that's the thing that, you know, you have to realize is he was one of those coaches that you you always have the respect for, and you knew exactly where he stood. Um, you know, it's it's just one of those sad days that you lose one of the, uh, you know, the greatest coaches that you've had, you know, not only just individually, but as part of being part of a league. Um, you know, I, I think that's that's the tough thing about it is that the, that you're going to, you know, you're missing one of the, you know, great guys that put, you know, Marty Ball on the map of how to play tough defense and, and get it done. 
And when I think about Marty, Marty Ball, I think about that power play that, you know, beats teams into submissions. You know, unfortunately, you know, the only time I've ever seen Ray Lewis, the greatest linebacker, I, I think, middle linebacker in the game, tap out was when we were playing you guys on Monday Night Football. And, I mean, with Priest Holmes and you talk about, you know, how you guys dominated us. But um, Marty Ball, I think the power play kind of sums up who he was as a person, tough and accountable and um, very, very demanding. What did he uh, mean to you, and what did he teach you about the game of football and the game of life? Well, you know, the, the great thing about it is that, you know, I actually got a chance to sit down, you know, before I was drafted. He was the only coach that I actually got a chance to sit with his coaching staff and talk about football and, and how he, you know, how he loved the run game. And that's one of the reasons that he was going to give me an opportunity to, you know, the next level is, you know, they were looking for a guard and wanted to interview me and give me, you know, let get a little insight of what I was about um, at that time. And so it was really cool cause to think about, you know, now that how our, you know, how we've been linked for that long. Um, but yeah, he's, he's one of those guys that really believed in, you know, specific plays. There are certain plays that would never be out of the playbook and, the the play you're talking specifically is the one in the goal line where you do a quick skip step around and he goes I don't care what it is you go it's called it's blast right or blast left whichever one you want to call that's the one you're going to get on the on the one yard line and and see if you can stop it and you know that's the way he believes he believes smash mouth football he believed hit him, his favorite mantra was hit him in the mouth and so um, that's one thing you always carry with you especially you know, his rules of engagement as far as getting ready for games and getting ready for the season. And, um, you know, he always had those those concepts of understanding of what you needed to do to win in the NFL. Will, in your mind, what was Marty Ball? You know, Marty Ball was basically, you know, give me give me 14 to 21 points and we should win the game because our defense is built to stop you and, and turn the ball over and uh, give you opportunities. So his was more or less, hey, your defense doesn't give up, you know, more than 14 points on a given day. If they give up 21, then he's mad from that point forward. Um, and then your offense is to control the clock, get it down and score, you know, score, score sparingly enough uh, to, to win the games. But he, uh, he had these, these things that, you know, even actually happen at our training complex. You know, it's basically win the games you're supposed to win, win the games at home, and then keep losing teams losing. And then you should be sitting in the right position of where you want to be at the end of the year to uh, to have a run at the Super Bowl. A team that um, was not in the right position um, after losing the Super Bowl, obviously the Kansas City Chiefs, organization that you play for what do you think the temperature is inside that locker room currently after kind of going through that loss after Tom Brady kind of not riding off into the sunset but really claiming the goat statue well you know I I think you know the way it works is anytime you get you know that close or even to the Super Bowl and you lose it um, you know there's frustration there's questions there's okay what could we have done here what did we do there Um, you know you question little things little nuances of the game um, but I think it takes you a little while because it is such a, a, a barring season on you mentally and physically and everything else, um, you know, to get to that point, but then to figure out, okay, what, what could have changed? What could have made a difference? Um, you know, as an internal person, you're going, what can I do to make it better? Or what could I have done 
to change the outcome of, you know, what, what was going on on the field and off the field and all of that good stuff. And I think that's the question that you start asking. And of course you, you turn off all the media for a while and let everyone else speculate and figure out what they think is was going on. But nobody knows if you're not the person in that locker room. You know, the one thing I would say, of course, is that's the answer to what happens with the Chiefs moving forward and what they do. But I think at the moment, everybody in the Kansas City organization is just and around the NFL, frankly, is just going to take a pause to remember Marty Schottenheimer and what he meant to the National Football League and the fact that his son is still involved in the NFL as well. A titan of his time and a titan that played for him that ended up in Canton. I can still remember when LT got into the Hall of Fame in 2017. His acknowledgement to Marty Schottenheimer, they went right over there, and Marty said, thank you for being the player that you are. Marty Schottenheimer has passed away at the age of 77. Will, thank you for joining us this morning under these sort of duress circumstances, but we appreciate your perspective. Thanks, Will. No problem, man. You guys have a good day. Same to you. Prayer, sympathy, best to the family of Marty Schottenheimer. On many of these ESPN radio stations, Greeny is next. Mike Holmgren will join him. I'm sure he'll have some remembrances as well. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two. Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.